It's Kendrick Oakley here with Real Life Church, and this is our weekly podcast. Hey, enjoy this word. Into one of my favorite topics, we're calling this series, Thy Kingdom Come. Can you say that with me? Thy Kingdom Come. Can we say it one more time? Thy Kingdom Come. Okay, this is the type of series you want to take a lot of notes in. Um, and you want to revisit from time to time, my goal is to lay a solid foundation for us this week through teaching, um, for us to be able to grasp them, some things, and then we're going to dive in deeper throughout this, uh, throughout this month. We have uh, about five Sundays to, to tackle this topic, and um, we're praying that we can at least um, just do a little bit of justice to this broad topic of the kingdom of God. And so let's dive directly into this. We're going to spend time in the book of Matthew throughout this series, and I would even invite you to read it. If you're not reading a particular book right now, I would invite you to read the book of Matthew, and, um, and we're going to be reading that together. This is the season uh, that we would call Advent, um, which is the Greek word meaning coming. And, um, and so nowadays we would associate that with Advent is the time where we recognize uh, the coming of Jesus. We recognize, as you would say, Christmas. Um, but in, in, the, in the first centuries, it was, it was actually never associated with, with Jesus' first coming. It, was always, it wasn't associated with his first coming as a baby in a manger. It, it was always associated in first century church with his last coming, where he would not come as a baby, but he would come as a judge. He'd come in this last to fully establish his kingdom, and the early church would look towards this future coming of glory of the judge of the world, and I believe that over the, the centuries, we've kind of lost the, the broad view of the kingdom of God, and now this season, we kind of only associate it with Advent, we only associate Advent with the first coming of a Savior, and it's so easy in, in doing that, that we, that we get kind of so wrapped up in this small picture, in this cultural picture of, of, of the first coming of Christ, maybe. We recognize maybe his birth, and, and, and the focus is kind of Christmas. But in that, I think that we've lost the vision of the kingdom of God. Yeah. We've lost the broad view of what this is all about. And, and so... If you can imagine in the uh, Old Testament, there were, they were anticipating a coming, the first coming, as we're anticipating the second coming. They were looking forward to this Savior, and now we are looking back to the Savior. Like, how did they, how were they saved if Jesus hadn't been saved? Well, it's by faith, just like you're, you're saved by faith. Well, they were, their faith was looking ahead at something. Our faith is looking behind at something. And so they were awaiting this, this Messiah, this King that would come and would bring deliverance to them. And, and there was prophecies, there was prophecies, as you read Isaiah and these these books, these prophets were rising up and they were declaring that there is coming this one named Jesus, this, this messianic king. But these prophecies weren't just prophesying a baby, they weren't just prophesying a person, but they were actually prophesying an entire kingdom coming and being established. And, and the people in that time realized that with the coming of this king, there's going to be a kingdom. And with the coming of this kingdom, there's going to come salvation. There's going to come deliverance. There's going to come victory. And if you could imagine, they were actually 
a lot of times they were in exile. They were in, they were in captivity. And so these prophets are prophesying, saying, hey guys, we're, we're unfaithful to the covenant, and if this continues, we're going to end up out of the land in captivity. And, and then some of them were even prophesying, like Ezekiel, in the place of captivity. There was a loss of hope. If you can imagine another nation coming, another kingdom coming, and taking all of us, and now we're just slaves and we're captives, but yet there's this promise to Abraham, and we're like, where in the world is it? So they were waiting for this king that would come and deliver them. They were anticipating this, and you can look at the prophetic words like Isaiah 9, 6 through 7 is on the screen. This is, I want you to see, this is one out of many. The old covenant is loaded with 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 uh, prophetic utterances that there's this one named Jesus who's coming. And, but I want you to just listen to the language here. Uh, Isaiah says, For a child is born to us, a son is given to us, the government will rest on his shoulders. Wait a minute. This is an ordinary kid. The government will rest on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Look at this. His government yes. and its peace will never end. This is not just a baby that's coming. They begin to recognize this is a king. This is a king. He will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David for all eternity. The passionate commitment of the Lord of Heaven's armies will make this happen. Now, we're going to talk about the book of Matthew a lot in this series. And as you read it, I want you to begin to read Matthew with the kingdom in mind. And as you do that, you're going to see the words, the kingdom of God, everywhere. And it's the power of the mind um, that it's like, it's not until you're focused on something, you don't really see it. It's kind of like when it's time to buy a car that you want to buy, everybody got it all of a sudden. It's like, oh my God, they're everywhere. <laughs> People didn't just start buying it. They've always been everywhere. But it's amazing. All this traffic can go by and you recognize the car that your mind is set upon. That, side note, that's the power of the mind. All the, good, all the good blessings are passing by, but you recognize the one negative. Anyways, that's not my sermon. <laughs> but it's the power of the mind. So now, when you read the book of Matthew, and we're talking about the kingdom of God, you're going to say, oh my goodness, the kingdom of God is everywhere. Now, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, you're like, why is there so many? Well, they're all writing to a particular audience. They all have a particular purpose. They all have a, a, a particular mission. You say, well, they're very similar, but yet they're different. Well, it's kind of like if all of us uh, uh, went to a, a car accident scene we would all be there, and it's all factual, but we all had different perspectives, different angles. And so they're writing the Gospels from different perspectives and different angles, and we're getting the fullness of who Jesus was. And so Matthew's writing to this Jewish audience, okay? And, and, and he's, he's, he's emphasizing the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is everywhere. And, and he was showing that the Jews had a false materialistic view of the kingdom of God. They thought that while they were in captivity that, this, that, that God was sending a king to bring a physical kingdom, to, to bring political emancipation to them, to deliver them from physical enemies. And they seen him as, as they understood David and all these other leaders, and they say, man, he's going to come, but yet then there's this boy, and he's a carpenter, and he's humble, and he's not coming in with horses and chariots. He's riding on donkeys. Like, who is this? This isn't the one 
that's been prophesied. So Matthew's writing, and he's, he's writing all about the kingdom of God, and he's trying to show the Jewish audience that, that guys, you missed it. We, we waited this entire time for the king to bring a kingdom, and the kingdom came, and you missed the kingdom. John the Baptist shows up, and he, he's baptizing people, and he's saying, repent for what? For the kingdom of God, 400 years had gone by, and no one had heard from God. There was a brass heaven. From Malachi to, to Matthew, there's a brass heaven. No one, God was not speaking to anyone. There was no miracles. There was nothing. And now all of a sudden they knew this prophecy that there would be one that came before the king that, 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 would, that would take on the form of Elijah and he would be in the wilderness. He'd be a voice crying out and then all of a sudden John the Baptist is born and all of a sudden John the Baptist is at the river and he's baptizing people and he's saying, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. And, and everybody began to recognize, uh-oh. And then could you imagine in the midst of that, they're being baptized, the Pharisees are there, the religious leaders are there, everybody's being baptized because they're anticipating this, this king and this coming kingdom, 400 years of silence, and then at about 30 years old, Jesus walks up. As an ordinary man. And John says things like, there he is. I'm baptizing you with water, but there is one that is getting ready to come that's going to baptize you in the spirit and in fire. And I'm not worthy to even untie his sandals. Like, and Jesus comes to him and says, baptize me. And John's like, no, like you should be baptizing me. And he's like, no, 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 we have to do this in order for the scripture to be fulfilled. And he's, he's coming into empathizing with humanity completely. With the sin. He didn't need to be baptized. He didn't have to be, but he's, he's coming in the place of broken humanity. And he says, I have to do this. And, 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 and Matthew's articulating the kingdom of God throughout this. And he's saying, guys, you missed it because you, you did not understand that this was a spiritual kingdom. This kingdom is a spiritual kingdom. And this is why, why, why Jesus is standing before, like, Pilate when he's getting ready to be crucified. And one of the reasons why they're offended is because Jesus is running around saying he's a king. And Pilate's like, wait a minute, uh, we're, we're the king, we're the kingdom. Are you saying you're a king? And Jesus looks at him and says, well, yeah, for that reason was I born. I didn't become a king, I was born a king. Um, that's why wise men traveled and followed a star and came to me and brought thousands and thousands of dollars worth. He had the best baby shower ever. Because angels appeared to them and said, the king is getting ready to be born. And, and we look at scripture and we miss this king reality, this kingdom reality. And he stayed before Pilate and he said, oh, you're a king? You don't look like a king. And he said, listen to me, um, if I wanted to, I could ask dad. And he would supply me with a legion of angels. And I would wipe this whole thing out. Listen to me, Pilate. He says, I want you to understand something. Now, I'm sure he's way more humble than me. But this is what I would have been doing, boy. Listen to me, Pilate. Listen to me. My kingdom isn't from this world, he says. It's a different type of kingdom. This, this kingdom link. So, so 
Matthew's articulating this kingdom of God. And, and even this, this 2019, I know we haven't emphasized it a lot because we got into some amazing series and just it was, man. But our theme has been his reign. And we've been, we've been emphasizing the reign of Christ. And from Romans 5, 17, it says, For if because of one man's trespass, death reigned through the one man, how much more will those who received the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ? That's kingdom language. And what we've been emphasizing, even in our declaration that we say every Sunday, how do we start that? Christ reigns over all things. We've been emphasizing the reign of Christ, and what we're talking about is the purpose is we want to see Christ's reign manifested in every aspect of our lives. We want to see his reign manifested against sin. We want to see his reign manifested in our finances. We want to see his reign manifested over our emotions. That's the journey we're all in, is that we are in a kingdom, and there's a king, and we're on the earth, and we're going from one degree of glory to another to manifest the victory that already has been sealed. God decided to use the church to reveal the victory. Without the church, no one can see the victory. The victory is already sealed, finished, and accomplished, but yet he's using your life along with the struggles, along with the trials, along with the tribulations. He's using it to show off to all of heaven that Christ has won the victory. And he says, let me prove that I've won the victory. Watch her say no to temptation. Let, let me prove that, I, that I've won the victory. Watch her change and be transformed. Let me, let me prove that I've won the victory. That even in pain and death, watch them still lift their hands because there's an eternal hope. You are preaching the victory of a king as you walk out this disciple. This is a powerful thing. We're unveiling the victorious victory of the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Everybody say, thy kingdom come. Now, in America... We read the Bible through a religious lens, but Jesus wants us to read it through a, the lens of a kingdom. Now, this is not easy for us in America because in America, we do not live in a natural kingdom. We live in a democracy, which is quite a bit different. In a democracy, you have elected officials, they're voted in, there's checks and balances, we have votes, we have rights, and a democracy is all about our rights, brother. <laughs> Stand up for our rights, man. We're in a kingdom. We don't really have rights. In a democracy, all the power is in the people, but in a kingdom, all the power is in one sovereign. It's a monarchy. There's one who has all the power. In a democracy, you have checks and balances, you have votes, you have vetoes. But let me tell you um, that, that Jesus was not voted in. He can never be voted out. Trump can say something and it be his opinion. You can, you can hate it, you can like it, you can obey it, you're not. Whatever a king says becomes law. It doesn't have to be passed. See, I'm just trying to shift our mindset a little bit because I, I believe that this is, this is a major problem. And, and I believe this is why Americans, we, we can view and take 80% of this as optional. Because we are trying to read this book about a kingdom from the perspective of, of a democracy. Kingdoms are the earliest forms of society, hundreds if not thousands 
have come and gone. There's only a few. But the countries who understand kingdom, they go to the Bible through a kingdom lens and they understand it much differently. I believe this is one of the major problems is many of us in, in Christianity are still treating Jesus like he's a president. But presidents make suggestions, kings don't. <laughs> they make laws. And we have to capture this message of the kingdom of God. I believe this is the biggest hindrance to the church, is understand the kingdom of God. Why? Because we, the church, are the vehicle of the kingdom. Listen, the church is not the kingdom because the kingdom existed before the church did in Acts chapter 2. The church is not the kingdom, but the church is the vehicle of the kingdom. Okay? Let's listen to the replay a few times. <laughs> the church is not the kingdom, but the church is the vehicle of a spiritual kingdom. And this is why it's so important that we understand the kingdom of God because we're called to advance the kingdom of God. Listen, but we can't advance something we don't understand. If we're the vehicle of the kingdom called to advance the kingdom of God and we don't understand anything about the kingdom, then what are we doing? Listen, we're just in a religion. We're just having church. But the purpose of this being on earth is not just to worship because let me tell you something, you can do that better when you get to heaven. <laughs> worship is going to be lit up there, I'm telling you. Everybody going to have vocals. Boy, I can't wait. I know some of y'all been blessed on this side, but we all going to be singing up there, boy. I'm going to be showing out all day long. By the way, didn't Dallas do a tremendous job? Is he back there? Oh, he's right here. I feel like we need to pray over him today. I wanted to go up there and lay hands and pray that all of heaven would just be imparted to him in that moment. So anointed, so grateful to see generations. The church is the vehicle of the kingdom called to advance the kingdom, but we can't advance something that we don't understand ourselves. And so when we begin to understand the kingdom, it changes how we relate to him as a king and it changes how we function in this kingdom. And we're looking through a religious lens and, and this is what the Jews did, didn't they? They were trying to understand Jesus through the religious lens of Ju Judaism. They were looking at Jesus through this religious lens, but Jesus did not come to maintain or establish a religion. He came to maintain and establish a kingdom. And there was a clash because they didn't understand what was going on in this. And there's all these other religions. I mean, there's, there's a ton of religions, but none of them have a victorious king and none of them have a kingdom. It is that which sets this apart, is that this is not just a religion. This is, a king, this is the kingdom of God. And I want us to begin to see this. And as you begin to see this, it's going to change how you read scripture. You're going to begin to see the kingdom of God everywhere. I have not just been saved. I think even in terms of our own salvation, we personalize it and we just see a baby in a manger who came to save our sins and it's all individualistic because we live in America and we miss this big picture of the kingdom of God and all that he's doing and, and that this is not just Jesus saved me from sins and saved me from myself, but he actually delivered me from a kingdom into a new kingdom. Let's look at Colossians chapter 1. I want you just to see the language. We can go all through Scripture, but this is the type of language. For he has rescued us, where? From the kingdom. Wait a minute. Kingdom. 
He's, he's rescued us from the kingdom of darkness, and he's transferred us into the kingdom of his son. There's been a kingdom transfer. That we were once under the king. What is kingdom? Kingdom, king's domain. It's the dominion of a ruler, of a king. We were once under the rule and the dominion of darkness. And Jesus came as king to establish his kingdom in victory. And he pulled us out of the kingdom of darkness. And he pulled us into this new kingdom called the kingdom of God. We are already there. We're not trying to arrive into the kingdom of God. We are already there. This is kingdom language. Everything that Jesus did was kingdom language. He was casting out, are y'all still with me? He was casting out devils, and they, the religious leaders would look to him and say, oh, he's doing this by the power of the devil. And Jesus said, that's crazy, because a house divided against itself can't stand. He says a house divided against itself cannot stand. If Satan cast out Satan, he's divided against himself. And I love this language. He says, if by Satan, then the house is divided. He says, but if it is by the Spirit of God that I cast out demons, listen, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. He, he says, no one can, can deliver and, and get the plunder of a strong man's house unless one stronger comes and, and binds up the strong man. And then I can plunder, get the plunder of the house. And he, what is it? It's all kingdom language. They were trying to think of it religiously. And he's saying, you, you don't understand kingdom. Everywhere Jesus went, demons cried out. Why? Not because of a religion, but a clash of kingdoms. These demons were in the synagogue. In the place of worship. <laughs> Been there for years, saved, sanctified, serving as an usher. <laughs> Jesus shows up, and all of a sudden, they start screaming out. Because for the first time, a new kingdom had arrived. He couldn't go, I would have been annoyed, like, dang. Can I eat dinner with my family? Everywhere he went, demons were crying out, what do you have with us? Because they were feeling the invasion of the kingdom of God, they began to recognize that this is the king that has been prophesied. And this is why he said that if I cast out demons by the spirit of God, then the kingdom of God has come. Why? Because a stronger kingdom has come and delivered a weaker kingdom. Are we seeing this? Everything in Scripture is kingdom, and it's like we've been saved for generations and centuries since the book of Acts, and we've missed the kingdom of God. This vision, this revelation of the kingdom of God. So let's define kingdom. Kingdom, if you're taking notes, is a realm over which a king has dominion. A realm over which a king has dominion. You have to understand that, that, that God created the earth so that his invisible kingdom would be established in the visible earth. He created the earth so that his invisible kingdom would be established in the visible earth. He made man. How, the way that he wanted to do it is by sons and daughters. 
He placed a son in the earth named Adam, and he said, I've made you in my image, and I want you to multiply my image. And what did he tell Adam? I want you to have dominion. You have dominion here under my authority. You will have dominion, and I, it's, it's now the, a goal and the agenda to establish this invisible spiritual kingdom into this visible earth. What does this tell us? It tells us that, that you are not from earth waiting to get to heaven. When we all get to heaven. Now, no, let me, let me, let me not even go there. <laughs> let me stay in the lane. Let me stay in the lane. But that was the mentality of the church for a very long time. All the black people, raise your hand. It was the mentality of y'all's church. Girl, you come up. About five people, five white Caucasians raised their hand in that. I'm confused. This might be what diversity is like. What is color? I don't even know. We just, <laughs> I done forgot. I've been, I've been just in this real life thing for so long. Now, let me talk to you for a moment because your church, the black church, the African-American church was the main promoters of this mentality. And I understand because, because there was slavery. So there was no hope. They're getting killed, they're getting beat, they're getting murdered, so all they could do is look to their future hope of, wait, when we all get to heaven, let's hold on. But, and that's great, they needed it then, but we aren't on the slave ship no more. And, and yet, you see in many African-American churches, that's all they're talking about is heaven. And that's great, but they are missing the reality that heaven is called to come to earth. That we are not on the earth, waiting to get to heaven, we were actually from heaven and we were sent to earth as ambassadors with the purpose to bring heaven to earth. You read throughout scripture, even Jesus, John 15, 19, John 15, 19, he says, if you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world. I've chosen you out of the world. There's kingdom language all over. You get to the book of Matthew, and you get John the Baptist, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. You get to Matthew chapter 4, verse 17, and, and Jesus had been baptized, and he's already been in the wilderness, and he's being tempted by the devil, and, and the Bible says that he goes out and he preaches the same message, repent for the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The Bible says that he went about synagogue to synagogue, town to town, village to village, preaching the kingdom of God. That's the gospel that he preached. He preached the kingdom of God. Of God. He didn't go out and say, hey guys, I'm getting ready to die and be buried. And on the third day, he wasn't preaching that gospel. Now, we're called to pass and preach that gospel, but he was talking a kingdom language. He was preaching the coming of this kingdom. And all throughout scripture, you see this language of you get further along in chapter six and chapter nine, he's saying things like, the kingdom of God is like. Parable after parable, the kingdom of God is like, and he's trying to get them, he's using physical things to help them understand this spiritual reality. He, he goes on to say things like, um, seek first the kingdom. Oh, I know you've been reading it all along and you missed it. Seek first the kingdom of God. And I'm thinking, are we seeking the kingdom of God? And I even, I even ask, are we seeking at all? I feel like the church has lost the seek. He didn't say show up. He didn't say, no, no, no. He said there's the seeking and the searching. Seek first the kingdom of God and its righteousness. 
And everything else will be added unto you. They ask Jesus, they ask Jesus, I'm just showing you, just all throughout scriptures, everywhere. They ask Jesus, teach us how to pray. Yeah. And he says, oh, okay. Uh, when you pray, pray like this. Yeah. Our Father, yeah. who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Uh-oh. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, he wasn't giving them words to repeat. He was giving them a structure. He says, when you pray, pray like this. Start with our Father. I love that because right there he's preaching the gospel saying he's my dad. But I'm going to share them. And I'm going to be the firstborn of many sons and daughters. That Satan thinks he's going to kill me, but he doesn't recognize that I'm just a seed. And the seed is going to go into the ground for three days, and it's going to produce this harvest of righteous sons and daughters. Right there, he's preaching the gospel saying, this is now our dad. This, this, is, this is what I've done. I've reconciled you to the Father. You will no longer be separated. I'm splitting the veil, and the Holy Spirit is going to come and live on the inside of you. So when you pray, I need you to recognize that he is not your boss. He is not just your creator. He is your Father. You are a son, and you are a daughter. Now, we could just pray that. That's all I need. He says, recognize the relationship. If you miss that, you can't pray the rest of this. You have to recognize the relationship that has been created, that you are not just a created thing. You are a son and you are a daughter. He says, so when you begin your prayers, start from the place of sonship. Approach him as dad. That's how we begin our prayers. Because you'll talk to your dad differently than you talk to a boss. This is dad. And he's not just an ordinary dad. Listen, he's a perfect dad. None of us in all of our time here on earth has ever encountered a perfect dad. I believe we all got daddy wounds. And I believe it's supposed to be like that because the father takes pleasure in healing it with his perfection. Our father. And he said, here's here's the second thing, which art in heaven. I need you to immediately recognize where he is. I need you to pray from the perspective of where God is, that his throne is established in the heavens. He sees all, he knows all, like he is God. Like I I need you to pray from the perspective of heaven, that you would pray from this place of faith. Our God, remember where he is, who art in heaven. As I'm praying, I'm, I'm continuously looking at the perspective of where he is. Dad, you're in heaven. You're seated in glory And there's nothing impossible for you. You are the creator of all of this. You know the end from the beginning. He says, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Holy is thy name. He says, I need you to pray from the perspective of the fear of the Lord. I need you to begin your prayer by just taking a moment and saying, wait a minute, God, before I even even ask anything, like, God, wait a minute, you are holy. You are righteous. And if if you don't see that, this is where you begin that prayer. You're saying, Lord, would you reveal that to me? We need to grow in the knowledge of God. I believe if all of us took our image of God out of our head and put it on a table right now, we'd have a bunch of different gods. I believe that's a major problem. I believe in America we're worshiping. How do I know that the image of God that I'm worshiping is the same as yours? Because yours have been dictated 
by your perspective, by your wounds, by how you are in relationship with your dad. That's why this is the only thing that can renew our minds. We, we got to get back to the Bible in America. It's the only way because without this, you are worshiping your own form of him. And without this, we don't even know where the lies are until we see truth. So we're praying, hallowed be like that you're holy, you're set apart, you're above all. And then he says, thy kingdom come. Wow, that should be the focus of our prayers. That, that, that's a big prayer. And, and can I ever be honest with you? I don't hear many people praying it. Besides seasoned intercessors, but he was talking to his people. And he says, you should be praying every day the kingdom of God, that, that, it, that, that the kingdom of God would come. And here, here's the reality of it, is we seek it first for ourselves, and when we find it, it, we become so obsessed with seeing the kingdom reality in every place. When you see the kingdom, you can't help but pray it. If you haven't seen it, you're not going to pray for something you've never seen. But as you get a revelation of the kingdom of God, that's why he says, seek first the kingdom of God. As you seek the kingdom, and as you find the kingdom, every day you are alive. You will pray, Lord, that's the only thing I want with my life. If my electric don't get paid tomorrow, I, I don't know what else. Lord, I pray that your kingdom would come to earth. I've seen the beauty of this kingdom. You go to work differently because you've seen the kingdom. And your prayer in that workplace is not, Lord, would you please fire Susan? Do it however you want to do it. Please, Lord, don't tell me she's coming down here. Please, oh, Lord, Holy Spirit, please tell me she ain't coming down here looking like that. Lord Jesus, your focus begins to shift. And you say, man, what if she encountered the kingdom? What if you, what if you, redeem her entire bloodline? And what if the kingdom's values become expressed and established in this place? You begin to pray every day, thy kingdom come. We have to pray that in our families. That's what House Fires was about, is that the kingdom would be established in the family. What do we mean? The values of the kingdom would be established in our families. We're praying every day, Lord, would your kingdom be established in our families? And then he says, thy will be done. Let me read this, Matthew 13, 44. I, I need you to see this seeking aspect. Jesus gives a parable and he says, the kingdom of God is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has. Listen to this, and buys the field. That's crazy. Maybe he was thinking expansion. He didn't just take the treasure. He found the treasure, which is the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is like a treasure, and a man found it in a field. All of those things were, were about the searching and that finding, and, and I began to just come to the reality that there's probably many in the church who will never find the treasure. And they attended, they worshiped, but it doesn't seem like the kingdom slaps you in the face. Seek it. Find it. 
And he said, the kingdom of God is like a treasure hidden in a field. I'm like, why are you hiding it? I don't know. And he said, when a man finds it with his joy, he goes, and what he's saying is nothing in this world compared to the reality of the kingdom. He went and he sold, listen, all that he had and bought the whole field. I'll take all of it. Just give me the whole state. Give me the whole state where the treasure is. Compare that to one guy says, Jesus, how, much, how must I inherit the kingdom of God? And Jesus says, oh, let me see. Let me find your idol. Compare it. Go and sell all that you have and give the money to the poor. And the man walked away grieved because he had many possessions, meaning Jesus was testing, does he really see the kingdom? Because the kingdom of God is like a man who finds a treasure and goes and sells all that he has and buys the entire field. Can we look at our levels of surrender and determine how much we see the kingdom? Come on. Can, can, we, can, we, look, can we look at the tithe and, and see how much we're seeing the kingdom? Can we, can we look at that and see, are we really seeing the kingdom of God? If you're just seeing religion, that religion is not enough to give everything away. But, but we can look and say, who is seeing the kingdom of God? Who is willing to lay down everything? That is the evidence that they have found a kingdom that has not been built with hands. They've tapped into this revelation of the eternal kingdom of God. Amen? And he says, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Thy will be done. The kingdom of God is wherever the will, the rule, and the reign of Jesus has been established. Thy will be done. Where? Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Where? Can I tell you that's the only reason why you're still breathing? It's not to find happiness before you die. It's to establish a kingdom in your given territory and your sphere of influence. When you see Jesus, he's not going to ask you, okay, um, did you find happiness? Did you attend at least 95% of services in small groups? <laughs> I don't know what else we would compare it to. No, he's going to say, I gave you a sphere. I put you at a job. I put you in a family. Uh-oh. I gave you friends. You were a branch that only certain people had access to. I believe that's why everybody can be saved, is because he's placed a branch everywhere. And not everybody can reach yours, and not everybody, but there's a branch in their sphere. And I get this image of saying, like, what if I'm the branch that there's certain people only have access to? And he's going to say, okay, your job, your money, your all of that, how did you steward that to advance my kingdom in the earth? And I can, I can imagine a, a king, an this king of a kingdom calling us on the phone. I wish he would. And he's saying, hey, guys, uh, how's the mission going down there? And the American church would say, what? What mission? I mean, we bought our house. That's going good. You know, I'm looking, looking for a new job. You know, I'm just asking, you know, raise my kids. On the keto, on the keto, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, man. <laughs> and he'd say, okay, all that is amazing. By the way, I did that. Um, but, like, how's the mission going? And the American church would say, what mission? <laughs> they, 
and we're missing the purpose in which we're here. And, and it's all because we don't see a kingdom. Now, can I tell you this? Religion does not enthuse me. I'm not impressed. But man, I get set on fire when we talk about the kingdom of God. It breaks the shackles down. It breaks the walls down when we begin to see the kingdom of God. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done where? As it is where? Mm. Establish his invisible kingdom on this visible earth. Now, here's the question. Which world was created first, the visible or the invisible? We have to understand that the visible world was created out of the invisible world, and the invisible world is more real. than the physical world. In fact, nothing is in the physical world that isn't a mirror or reflection of what is going on in the spiritual world. This is another problem in the church right now is we are very temporal-minded. We don't see the spiritual kingdom of God. This physical world was created out of the eternal kingdom of God. And, he, and he's saying, here's the prayer. I, I need you to take this invisible kingdom. The will is already established. The provision is there. You've been blessed with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. You have all that you need. All of it is there. I'm God. I'm your father. I'm on the throne. And you're on the earth. But this, 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 this earth is, is not even the true reality. This, this is the only way that Jesus could say, um, if you have faith the size of a mustard, you can speak to a physical thing. You can speak to a physical mountain, and you can tell it to be moved. What does it tell you? You have the power to rearrange the physical world. You, 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 you are in the physical world, but at the same time, you are seated on the throne with Jesus right now. And he's saying, I need you to understand the world can look like how you want it to. You have the power, listen, not just power, but the responsibility to rearrange what this physical world looks like until you look at it and say, that's what heaven looks like. You look at your family, I don't care the condition your family is in, because you are in your family. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth in my family as it already is in heaven. This is the power of intercession, that you are standing in the gap and you are interceding. What I'm telling you is no one in this room right now is exempt from leaving your world the way it is. That's so real. Y'all like me today? Are we cool still? Okay. No one is exempt. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You have the power within you because Jesus said, when they say the kingdom's over there, don't pay attention. The kingdom over there, don't pay attention. He said, the kingdom of God is within you. The Holy Spirit is within you. You release it out of you. What I'm telling you, the kingdom of God is in you. You have the power to change your physical reality. And Jesus is talking all this powerful stuff, and we're missing it. Peter caught a glimpse of it, and he said, oh, I'm about to walk on this water. I don't know what made him. And it worked. <laughs> and now here's what blows me away. I may not have been Peter, but if I seen Peter do it, I would have said, shoot, I'm about to. <laughs> Boy, I would have been out there so quick. Peter's walking. Listen, and they're staying in the boat. They missed this opportunity. supernatural book speaking to mountains and casting them into the sea 
If you have faith, nothing will be impossible. All this language, we will never tap into it until we understand the kingdom of God. That kingdom come, that will be done on earth as it already is in heaven. I want to end by just turning our attention to the king of the kingdom. If there is a kingdom, then there must be a king. And today, if, I, if there was just one purpose, this one thing that I desire, I, I was praying, Lord, I, I just want to, as a church, embrace Jesus as king. Kanye gets it. Comes out with his album, Jesus is King. Religious Pharisees are attacking him. And I'm like, this sounds familiar. Because we think the kingdom of God is, is confined to the four walls of a building. And because he didn't pop up out of the four walls of a building, the kingdom of God is broader than the church. And he gets this revelation that Jesus is king. And I'm thinking, wait a minute, the church doesn't know that. Come on. How do I know? Because we don't relate to him as a king. We relate to him as a friend. We relate to him as an advisor. We might relate to him as a counselor. And I think one of the major things that must happen in the Church of America is we must again relate to Jesus as the king. When a king comes in the room, everybody stands. Talking about physical kingdoms. When a king comes into the room, trumpets blow, everybody stops what you're doing and you're standing in honor of the glory of the king. Because we are the citizens of a king. We're protected because and only because we are under the dominion of a king. The king is a king because he's won victories, he's ruled, he's conquered. And all through America, Jesus comes in the room and people stand and stare. And I'm thinking, we don't see him as king. But I'm going to pray, we're going to pray today that there would be a, a major shift in our hearts. If we don't embrace his kingship, we will never advance his kingdom. I do not have the authority to establish a kingdom that I do not wholeheartedly follow. Can I say it again? I do not have the authority to advance a kingdom that I do not wholeheartedly follow. If we begin to see ourselves as citizens of the kingdom of God, we begin to function completely different. Here's something that Jesus said. He says, I'm confused. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, but you don't do what I say? Wow. He was rightly confused. Why why do you call me Lord? Some of us listen to our landlords better than we do Jesus. Because we understand in that relationship that they own this. And whatever they say goes. And he's saying, but wait a minute, why do you call me Lord, but my words are still options? And he says, many on that day will say to me, Lord, Lord. And I'll say, I never knew you. 
because you never knew me as king. We must address this in America because we do not inherit and enter the kingdom of God because Jesus is a friend. Are y'all with me? I'm just preaching the word. We enter the kingdom of God by bowing to his kingship, by saying, Lord, I am no longer on the throne of my heart. You now take the throne of my heart. Whatever you say goes. It's not an option. It's not an opinion. You don't give suggestions. My life will forever reflect your words. Can we stand to our feet right there? I want to do a kingdom, not a church altar call. We're in the Bible Belt. Everybody know Jesus. I want to do a kingdom altar call as we go into this series.